this a new section. Um, the previous sections, Isaiah had been um, giving us this big picture view of God's uh, sovereign deliverance of the humble from the doomed prideful city of man. So it was this kind of broad uh, view of ultimate reality of the kingdoms of man and the kingdom of God. Um, and then last week, he switched back to the particular historical context uh, and spiritual problem within the nation of Judah um, and, and uh, the order of kingdoms. So we saw last week how he started the chapter denouncing the That's dark better. rebels you can hear it. leaders of the order of kingdom and talking about their doom, which was becoming more and more apparent as the Assyrians uh, invaded um, the, the northern kingdom of Israel. Uh, and rather than responding to that destruction of the northern kingdom uh, with repentance, um, the Israelites, or the Judeans, responded with uh, a smugness, and they displayed the same kind of unbelieving hearts and the same kind of sins as their northern neighbors, which uh, the message of Isaiah, you can expect the same fate as they did. Um, we talked about last week how this term um, scoffers that Isaiah used to describe the wicked uh, sounds so contemporary and descriptive of our modern day culture. Um, scoffers is the diametric opposite of faithful. Not only does this person choose the wrong way, but he mocks the wrong way. He did not merely misled himself, but he disliked and misleads others. So he's the very opposite of the wise man, the person who understands the order of things correctly. And when I say um, this is descriptive of our, of our culture, um, I just want to be clear I'm not exempting us uh, from this, as if somehow we stand apart and un are unaffected by the age we live in. Uh, we similarly make prideful covenants as the Judeans did, covenants with death, as uh, Isaiah described them, by trusting in our own ability to control our circumstances. The real problem doesn't lie out, out there. The real problem, Isaiah says, lies here in our hearts. And this is a theme that Isaiah will continue today as we examine chapter 29. Um, chapter 29, we'll see Jerusalem's miraculous, unexpected deliverance from a siege, but in response to that, they remain blind to the instructions of God, which are a closed book to them. They still say the right things, and they still go through the motions of right religious ceremonies, but their unbelieving hearts are far from God. So that's the situation we pick up um, as we read Isaiah chapter 29. So we read it for us. Isaiah chapter 29, starting in verse 1. Ah, Ariel, Ariel, the city where David encamped. As year to year, let the thieves run their round. Yet I will distress Ariel, and there shall be moaning and lamentation, and she shall be to me like an Ariel. I will encamp against you all around, and I will besiege you with towers, and I will rage siege works against you. And you will be brought low. From the earth you shall speak, and from the dust your speech will be bowed down. Your voice shall come from the ground like the voice of a ghost, and from the dust your speech shall whisper. But the multitude of your foreign foes shall be like small dust, and the multitude of the ruthless like passing fast. And in an instant, suddenly, you will be visited by the Lord of hosts. With thunder and earthquake and great noise, with whirlwind and tempest and the flame of devouring fire, and the multitude of all the nations that fight against Ariel, all that fight against her in her stronghold and distress her, shall be like a dream, a vision of the night. As when a hungry man dreams he is eating, and awakes with his hunger not satisfied. Or as when a thirsty man dreams he is drinking, and awakes faint with his thirst not quenched. So shall the multitude of all the nations be that fight against Mount Zion. Astonish yourself and be astonished. Blind yourselves and be blind. Be drunk, but not with wine. Stagger, but not with strong drink. For the Lord has poured out upon you a spirit of deep sleep and has 
covers her head, the seer. And the vision of all that has become to you as the words of a book that is sealed. When men give it to one who can read, saying, Read this, he says, I cannot, for it is sealed. And when they give the book to one who cannot read, saying, Read this, he says, I cannot read. And the Lord said, Because his people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me, and fear of me is a command taught by men. Therefore, behold, I will again do wonderful things with this people, with wonder upon wonder, and the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the discernment of their discerning men shall be hidden. Ah, you who hide thee from the Lord your counsel, whose deeds are in the dark, and who say, Who sees us? Who knows us? You turn things upside down. Shall the potter be regarded as the clay, that the thing made should say of its maker, He did not make me? Or the thing formed say of him who formed it, He has no understanding? Is it not yet a very little while until Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field, and the fruitful field shall be regarded as a forest? In that day the deaf shall hear the words of the book, and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind shall see. The meek shall obtain fresh joy in the Lord, and the poor among mankind shall exult in the Holy One of Israel. For the ruthless shall come to nothing, and the stalker cease, and all who watch to do evil shall be cut off. Who by a word make a man out to be an offender, and lay a snare for him who reproves in the gate, and with an empty plea turn aside him who is in the right. Therefore, thus says the Lord, who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob Jacob shall no more be ashamed, no more shall his face grow pale. For when he sees his children, the work of my hands in his midst, they will sanctify my name. They will sanctify the Holy One of Jacob and will stand in awe of the God of Israel. And those who go astray in spirit will come to understanding, and those who murmur will accept instruction. Thus far, God's holy word, let's ask him to open it in our hearts and our minds as we consider his message to us. Almighty God, we confess that even with an extra hour of sleep, we can still uh, come this morning with dullness. We can still come with a lack of assurance. We can still come hardened in our sin and blind to sorrow. Almighty God, you are the maker of heaven and earth, and you are the one who rules all things by your sovereignty. Lord God, you have even done more than that. You've spoken to us your very word of truth. You've given us uh, your revealed will. You've laid out before us the path of understanding and wisdom. And yea, God, even more than that, you've revealed yourself to us by giving the word made flesh, your very son, Jesus Christ who came to show and to speak not just your will, but to live it and enact it, to show us what true power is, that the path of heavenly power is the humble path to the cross, that this path of true leadership is not coming to be served, but to be served and to give one's life for many. And that the true sacrifice is the one that Christ made for us, sacrificing even himself to atone for our sins and clothing us with his perfect righteousness. Even as we study the words of your prophets, uh, written hundreds of years before the coming of Christ, uh, we see how he speaks of your glorious grace and the redemption salvation that is only found by trusting in you 
captured the, the city. They think it is their prey. They're going to drink it up. They're going to eat it up. And then, like, suddenly, you know, it's, it's quick uh, that this comes upon them. I, I love it. It shall be like a dream, a vision of the night. Um, and oof, suddenly, in an instant, they're visited by the Lord's host. Thank you. 
consequences of their refusal to trust him. So, you know, God, they refuse to trust God. God brings the Assyrians against them. And yet God can still, at that moment, dispense the Assyrians. I mean, I think this is a great picture of, um, you know, God's uh, grace and his maintaining the covenant, even while he's bringing judgment upon his people for their faithlessness. Does that make sense? Because the story is kind of a setup for what's the second half of the chapter. So that's, I want to spend a little time giving a sense of the story. Um, again, it's an amazing story that at, at this completely hopeless situation in the life of Jerusalem, God provides this miraculous, unforeseen, sudden deliverance. And then we get Judah's response. In the next section. Um, so God has, has delivered these people. Um, and then uh, Isaiah switches to this depiction, and actually it's all commands. Astonish, blind yourselves, be drunk, stagger. Um, what's he talking about here? You're shaking your head, Tim. <laughs> Behind 
behind this miraculous deliverance. They're like, wow, that was something, but they don't understand what it means. Yeah, they're blind. They blinded themselves uh, to this mighty act of God's deliverance. And it's almost the way that God's delivered them and they've taken the exact opposite message than what, than what they should have. Rather than seeing how their sins were like the northern kingdom and need to be judged, they're like, we weren't destroyed. We've got, and it could be because we're the line of Judah. Again, I think he's employing those terms. You know, the sense of entitlement. We're God, you know, we're the good guys. The northern kingdom was the bad guys. They got destroyed, but, you know, we're the good guys. So, of course, God delivered us. And so they keep on their very way. Um, you know, they think they're bulletproof, um, in a sense. We've got the temple. And we're still performing the sacrifices, and as long as we keep doing that, no matter what else we're doing, we're good. Um, rather than um, seeing evil in their midst and repenting. Yeah, and, and it, I think this goes back also to, to chapter five, where you know the, the, the notion of things being inverted, like their, their blindness comes from the fact that they're not seeing the evil. Within them, that for what it is, back, back in chapter 5, verse 20, where it says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, with darkness for light and light for darkness, for bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and valiant men in making strong drink, who are put for a bribe and deprive the innocent of his life. That they're, they're continuing in their evil ways. As, as was was uh, described earlier on, and they'll be the fit for judgment as well. Yeah, and, and as you say, it's wicked. Um, as Isaiah says here, you turn things upside down. <laughs> um, rather than seeing yourselves as subject to God and that you need to understand what he's telling you, they flipped it and put themselves, you know, Good is evil, and evil is good. You know, the way, way we're going is fine, obviously, because we just escaped. God just delivered us, so might as well keep tripping along merrily, merrily in our, our happy ways. But isn't it God's fault? Like, he's the one that's stopping them from seeing, stopping them from responding, right? He's making them, he's taken away their prophets, he's taken away their seers, you know, he's blinded their eyes so that they can't see. Yeah, so why is God done that? Again, to sort of see it's the the judgment. So that's the judgment that falls behind, upon them. And why is that the judgment? And again, to sort of think the, the, you know, Jesus uses these same words for his message. Why do you speak to them in parables? Because I don't want them to hear. <laughs> I don't want them to see. Um, you know, it, so why does God want them, or why does God allow them? Why does God pardon them in their sin? I think we have to answer in him. In verse 13, because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me, their fear of me is a commandment taught by me. Now, I think that's, you know, it, I think that's, the picture in a verse, that's the, the diagnosis. You know, what's wrong with these people? The blindness, all that, you know, not hearing, not being able to, to understand, all that's symptomatic of what the true condition is. And the true condition is this heart problem.
and there he's responding uh, again. It's the way that hard, the way Harvey is often described in the Old Testament is he's letting him go their own way. You know, um, and again, not saying that it's some kind of sovereignty and blessing and all that kind of stuff, but the punish in time, the punishment is falling upon them in ways consistent with what their their will presents with this, and so they're, he's giving them over to what their will desires. Um, in this conversation that they have, uh, he did not make me. He he has no understanding. You know, um, you know, they're doing their deeds in the dark. Who say? Who sees us? Who knows us? You know, they they're denying God even as they are going through the motions of the ritual.
Thank you. 
the, the curse of, of not just having uh, in verse 20, for the ruthless shall come to nothing. You know, people who use their position of power to oppress others. So, you know, uh, Isaiah typically uses ruthless uh, to talk about the way the poor are oppressed. You know, the people in power squeezing every last, um, you know, iota from the poor, using their position of power to defraud widows, using their position of power to, um, to side against the poor in lawsuits. You know, so it's that oppression, but then they also, you know, this stalking, um, this mocking, um, you know, this, you know, what a curse it is to have leaders that don't just not teach the right thing, but teach the opposite thing. Rather than teaching and modeling a faithful life, mocking the life of faith, mocking the standards of truth and honor. Um, that serves, uh, you know, again, attitudes of leaders that are interested in serving themselves at the people's expense. And that's the, the picture of not just Isaiah, but the prophets over and over again um, describe of the leadership. Um, but in our Bible study, um, we were doing Ezekiel in our Friday night Bible study, and, you know, um, Mary Barb, James, Mary, you know, these words sound very familiar. I mean, especially the, uh, the uh, you know, this picture of them doing their deeds in the dark, saying, who sees us? Yeah, who knows? Uh, God doesn't see. God doesn't know. And so we can do whatever we want to. Uh, um, and and I think the difference is that picture Ezekiel gives gives them here again here in Isaiah the picture it seems to be the leaders don't believe yet they're still performing saying the you know, going through the motions of what the rituals are and by Ezekiel's day not only their hearts are still in the same place and in Ezekiel they turn to every other kind of path of religious option out there so again you sort of see over time I think um, we get some of the same description of the people here they don't see but they're uh, you know they're drawing they still honor me with their lips they still are kind of going through the motions of doing the commandments whereas in Ezekiel you know they built the temple with their images and they have their little creepy crawling things on the walls and their worship being done um, you know it's they kind of moved one step further um, but it's or the same heart condition has kind of deteriorated into a further symptom, sort of like if you think of it as a disease progresses. Um, you know, you start off and it looks okay, but the disease is taking root. So the more kind of degeneration uh, later on. It makes me think about, you know, when I encounter my coworkers or, or non-Christians around me, I think, you know, the key is to think of the right kind of clever words or something like that, to outsmart them or to, you know, to just find those words that will convince them that they're wrong, as opposed to humility, you know, care for the poor, you know, um, the kind of things that you see here, which seem to be what's missing from the religious folks of the day. You know, it's not that they weren't clever enough, right? Um, it's that they weren't humble enough or they weren't, they didn't really smarter. 
harder so I can harm you people in the corner and so you know and in that you know uh, I mean for me I'm a ter terrible debater by the way but this never happens but for, for me it would be I won you know not that the truth's been told you know and we can fall into that trap of you know again kind of using doing the right thing but doing it to pat myself on the back rather than um, you know, again, it's the humility of, of being in constant need. Um, you know, I say the wrong thing. You know, being honest, look, I'm not going to say the right thing. <laughs> I say the wrong thing all the time. But being kind of, you know, that modeling the, the humility of Christ uh, and modeling the kind of, of love and service uh, that we see in Isaiah calling for the leaders. And look at the effects of, of it. You know, again, um, as bad as it is, you know, the chapter ends with these beautiful words of hope. Uh, Therefore, thus says the Lord, who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob, Jacob shall no more be ashamed, no more shall his face grow pale. For when he sees his children, the work of my hands and his men, they will sanctify my name. They will sanctify the Holy One of Jacob and will stand in awe of the God of Israel. Those who go astray in spirit will come to understanding, and those who murmur will accept instruction. So, you know, it's this um, redeeming work of God that produces this change. And the change is uh, manifested in this response of sanctifying the holy name of, of God. Um, you know, to defile God is to make him appear less than God. To sanctify God is to, you know, elevate God to that holiness and to that position of authority and power that only God possesses. Um, and so as we think of the move or the transformation from scoffing to sanctifying, um, you know, it's that move from having leaders that defile God by acting as if he doesn't really exist um, in, their, in their function. You know, they're going through functions, but their hearts are far from God. To people who serve not to bring attention to themselves, but to magnify and sanctify the name of God. And what a different, you know, what a different um, kind of service that is. Anything else you want to say about this chapter? Uh, I think it's, you know, it's this beautiful picture of, uh, of, of the difference between um, uh, the, you know, the people who blind themselves by their own self-centeredness, and he's talking about, we'll see this next week as he turns to Egypt, who are looking everywhere and everything to help deliver them, rather than the one who can actually deliver them. Uh, and as, even as they've been uh, delivered from the Assyrians, they're still blind to the real hand that, that saves them. Um, and the, this work of God's grace to, um, to take those humble believers um, and to Elevate them. I like the, the end of the even the murmurers, you know, those who <laughs> they're <laughs> even they will be brought to confession. Yeah. Yeah, and it's this this um I, I was thinking actually thinking of all the the uh sorry talking about the Carnassus on the second where I talked about Ezekiel I think I see first Corinthians in here with the uh, you know the what's foolish uh, to the world. Uh, uh, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. You know, people murmur and scoff. Um, but to us uh, who are saved, it's the power of God. Who are being saved, it's the power of God. For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, and a folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ.